Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Friday, June 19th edition of the Parting Shot Podcast on the show, man. James, good to have you, buddy. How are you, man? Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun when we can uh, catch up every now and then. And uh, I know the, the people want it as well. So it's a win-win for everyone. I've been getting Marcus Williams messaging me like every week. Like, get, get me back on the show. And I'm like, all right, we'll get him on. So glad you're on today, James. Really appreciate it. A lot to talk about, man. There's so much news going on right now in the world of MMA. So let's just go through it. But, you know, I, I did break down UFC Vegas 3 with Cole Sheldon already, my co-host, James, on Tuesday. I know yeah. you broke the uh, the fights down your own show on Monday. So uh, we don't need to go into detail or anything. But I do want to get some thoughts on the card, obviously. So taking place tomorrow. It's the third Vegas card. There's one more. Uh, great card, man. Honestly, I think James is an underrated card. It's a pretty deep card. Just initial thoughts on the card. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the main event's great. Uh, I love the the Blades and Volkov fight. Uh, there's a couple other like sleeper fights on here. I think the uh, the flyweight fight between Casey and Jillian Robertson is going to be really great. That's a big fight for that division. You've got Lyman Good and Bilal Muhammad on the main card. Really explosive welterweight fight. And I think the co-main event uh, is, is kind of like a battle between two dark horses in the featherweight division. You've got Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos who, you know, a win here is really going to put them in a good position right now because, uh, you know, there really isn't a number one contender right now. So there's a lot of matchups that I think are really going to determine where you know sort of the division goes from here so uh really really fun card i'm looking forward to it i agree completely james and uh, i know obviously uh you gave all your picks on your monday show so i want people to tune in that but if we can just talk about the main event obviously uh curtis sure. Blade, you're very familiar with james i feel like you interview him after every fight and before every fight <laughs> guys turn yeah. into yours an amazing fighter um right now he's the clear like fourth guy in the division it's stipe dc francis blades He's kind of in a tough spot, right? Because he's right now he's behind Nagano, who's knocked him out twice already, or first fight was a TKO or whatever. But the point is, you know, a win here, James, is still huge for him. I think if, if he wins this fight, he'll be next in line uh, after Nagano. But I will say this, James, I am going to pick Blades. You know, I, I don't think that's a surprise. I'm taking him to win. I think he takes Volkov down, beats him via ground and pound TKO, kind of like what he did to over him. But I will say, James, the line's crazy now. Minus four. Yep. I don't know about you, man, but like at this point, plus 345 on Volkov. I don't think it's the worst bet in the world because it's a heavyweight fight, James. And we've seen uh, last couple of events, I mean, excluding UFC 250, the underdog in the main event generally is one. Uh, that seems to be a trend this year for whatever reason. But even so, uh, Volkov's got one loss in the UFC, Adam, and that's to Derek Lewis. And that was a fight he was winning, right? So we can't really put too much stock into, you know, him not being this contender because really he's he's won most of his fights. I, I agree with you. I think the line's way off. It's going to come down to this really for me. I think if it stays standing, it could be very interesting because Volkov's the tallest opponent that Blades has fought. He's 6'7". Blades yeah. is 6'4". So that That'll be interesting. Can Blades get on the inside with the striking? And the other thing is, can Blades get the takedown? I would think he could with his wrestling, but you never know. So I'm with you too. I said this on my show. I think the line should be like two to one Blades maybe. Four to one's a little crazy. Um, I, I definitely think if you're looking to bet this fight, the, the value is on Volkov in that sense because Volkov could pull this off. I mean, this is a this is a big fight for Blades because you know sort of the knock on him has been, well, he can't get past Nagani. Well, if he loses here, maybe he's not the contender we thought he was. But conversely, if he beats Volkov, then certainly he is. And look, sometimes fighters just have other fighters kryptonites look at quentin rampage jackson and chuck liddell right like that's a fight where liddell couldn't win he couldn't win both times so i think that's just one of those things we're going to learn a lot about curtis blaze in this fight and i think it's a, just a great matchup yeah i love the matchup for sure um, like you said james i i had it pegged around like minus 250 for blades i feel like minus 430 is too high at this point so i see a yeah. lot of people throwing him into a parlay and he probably does win james like i am going to pick him to win via tko like i said but to me, like, there really isn't value on that. Uh, just some quick thoughts also on the co-main event. Yuri alluded to it. I, I think this is one of the best, probably the best fight in the card. It is going to be my pick for fight of the night. Amazing fight here. Two guys that are pretty underrated, in my opinion, and Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos. You know, James, 
I know that Josh Emmett's surprised uh, a lot of people, including myself, a few times now, but Shane Burgos is the guy that I think is the next like real big thing in this division. So I, I think you're picking Burgos as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'm picking- yeah, no, I am. I am. Yeah, and I'll kind of just give you my reasoning. Height and reach advantage in the fight, been a little bit more active. Um, and, and also, you know, Emmett's getting up there in age. I mean, he's 35. That's not incredibly old, but for any you know division, you have to sort of start looking at age as a factor here. It's a pretty even fight because I'd say on paper, I actually think Emmett's the better fighter, but I think he's getting a guy that's young, that's younger, hungrier, and has been a lot more active. That's stuff I can't ignore in this fight. And, I, and, and also the injuries as well. I mean, he was, you know, he was out earlier this year because of an injury. Um, you know, he had that really bad injury against Jeremy Stevens, whereas Burgos really hasn't taken a ton of damage. Burgos just signed a new contract with the UFCs with first round management now. So I think he's fired up and ready to go. And I think the UFC knows that one loss in the UFC Burgos has had, and that's the Calvin Cater. And we know how good that guy is. So I, I think Burgos will win, but it's a close fight. Like, again, this is kind of like the main event. I mean, if Bur- uh, Emmett goes out there and knocks out Burgos or wins a decision with his wrestling, I wouldn't be shocked either. Close fight, but I got to go with Burgos just with the youth and, and the height and reach advantage. Yeah, I'm with you too. And you know, I'm not like a huge guy in MMA stats or anything like that, but he does have enough of a sample size now with seven fights, James, in UFC, where he is landing over seven strikes, seven significant strikes a minute. Like his volume, I think, is what wins him the fight here. But like you said, man, Josh, I mean, he, look at the Michael Johnson fight, James. That's a fight where he was losing the entire fight and then he knocked him out in the third round late. So it's a guy with a lot of power, but yeah, I still go with Burgos. Again, you know, I want people to go and watch your show on Monday. So I don't want you to give out your picture right now, James, but uh, no, no worries. you did mention the fight with Courtney Casey and Julian Robertson as uh, one of the fights that you're looking forward to. I, I really good matchup with James. I gotta be honest with you, man. I absolutely love Courtney Casey in this fight. I feel like she's so battle tested. She's such a veteran. Like you look at her losses, James, it's still the lead, uh, lead fighters in this division. Her wins are pretty solid. Great submission game. Julian Robertson. I don't know, man. She's, Kind of like got that Paige Van Zandt going thing, uh, thing right now, James, where it feels like she's more of like an Instagram model than a fighter at some points. You know, I, she is in the UFC. She does have wins. I just don't think they're on the same level, man. I think Casey wins this fight. I don't know what you... Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's funny, actually. This, this is why we should, uh, it's too bad we don't do the podcast anymore because we, we'd agree on a couple of fights in here, I'm sure. But um, yeah, no, I like Casey as the underdog for the exact reason you said. I think the level of competition, you look at who she's lost to, it's usually by a decision in, in most cases. Um, but Casey's also finishing opponents like we saw in the last fight. She's also the only fighter in the UFC to finish Randa, Randa Marcos, right? So Casey's really good. I think her moving to fight ready has been a better fit for her in terms of the preparation and all that. And, uh, you know, with Robertson, uh, I think the thing with her is we know what she's going to do. She's going to try and take you down and submit you but if that doesn't happen she gets into trouble and i think with casey i just don't see casey getting submitted in this fight uh, if i'm not mistaken i'll double check here quickly i yep. think the last submission loss that courtney casey had was against pearl gonzalez in her second pro fight that was in october of 2013 so uh really tough to, to submit and if yep. she can't you know robinson can't get the submission i just don't see how she wins the fight because i think courtney casey will outpace her for for all the rounds and i like courtney casey at featherweight or at uh, flyweight as well so yeah i like uh, casey by decision i think that's uh, probably what's going to end up happening here. Yeah, I, I honestly think she could finish her too, James. Right? I, like, if you look at the card and the bets on it, I think she's the one I single up for a bet at plus one hundred. Because James, to me, she should be favored to win this fight. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you yeah, one other here, not to not to jump around here a little bit. I'll tell you another underdog I like on this card. Um, I think Mark Andre Barrio. I think this is the fight that he's going to get the UFC win in. Now, Oscar Pachota, uh, you know, we've seen that he can be dangerous early on. I remember that fight he had with Gerald Mershart, where he nearly finished Mershart in the first round. But this is a guy that just for whatever reason can't put it together, and he seems to 
you know, fade as the fight goes on. We saw that against uh, Puna Soriano as well, where, you know, that, that was, seemed like a fight that he was should have won just with experience and he wasn't able to do it. Barrio, I don't know what it is with him. I actually think he fought better on the regional scene than he has in the UFC. He's had a couple, you know, entertaining fights, but he needs a win here, Adam. I'm actually surprised they gave him another matchup. Uh, I don't know if he has some dirt on Dana White or whatever, but it's very rare to see someone uh, lose three times in a row and, and still be on the roster. Um, so I really think this is kind of a pick em fight. And with Barrio, well, I see now the odds are even, but I, I know earlier in the week, Barrio was the underdog. I, I think Barrio pulls this off, man. I think he gets his first UFC win. Yeah. So, you know, James, you do your show Monday and I do my yeah. Tuesday, right? So I love watching your show, but I don't watch it Monday because I don't want, want to get influenced all by your picks. I, I don't mm -hmm. even have to know about his picks. So I wait till Tuesday yeah. to do the show and then I start looking at what other people are picking. Dude, I have the same thoughts on this fight. I like Barrio too. There you go. Yeah. I like Barrio too. You know, uh, the three losses were all close losses. The Jocko fight was very close. The one in Edmonton, terrible fight, terrible fight. But mm -hmm. uh, the Andrew Sanchez fight was also pretty competitive. The thing with Pachota is this guy's getting finished every fight, James. Like, he does have some wins in the UFC, so we'll give him credit there. But, man, this guy is, I don't think, UFC caliber. I think Barrio can finish this fight. Probably wins the decision, though, you know, just based on how he's fought in the UFC. But he could finish the fight. You look what he did in the regional scene, James, with guys like uh, Adam Hunter, the comedian. No, not, not the comedian, but you know <laughs> you guys are. guy, yeah. Yeah, he's got, yeah, exactly. He's got some power, though, so. Uh, definitely an interesting fight, but I do like uh, Barrio as well. It's funny, though. Uh, I don't know if you saw Dana White's like uh, preview for the card on his Instagram. He's like, all right, there's a few fights you guys got to check out tomorrow. He's like, Mark andre Barrio versus uh, Oscar Bertone. I was surprised that Dana White pegged that in his like, sleeper fight. But mm -hmm. it could be a good fight because two guys on three fight losing skids, James. You don't really get fights like that that often. And I think that the winner of this fight you know, definitely saves their job. The loser is getting cut for sure. Um, you know, one other fight, James, again, I, I I don't know what you're thinking about this one now, but Bobby Green and, and Clay Guida. Now, Bobby Green's obviously an old friend of the podcast. We had him on years ago. Yes, great that's guy. right. Yeah, the great, yeah, great guy. That was the last time you got to win, James, when we had him on the show, when he beat James Cross via controversial uh, low blow or TKO or whatever you want to call it that night. That was the last time you got to win. So uh, to me, or before the last, uh, he does have one win over Eric Hope, but before that, it was that fight with James Cross. I love Bobby Green, but James, I don't understand why he's minus 250. I like Clay Guida in this fight at plus 210. He's the other underdog I'm looking at. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is really a case of who has more left in their career at this point. I'm surprised to see Bobby Green get another fight. I believe yeah. he's retired at least two times uh, since uh, we had him on our show uh, since then. And, you know, Guida, the same thing. I mean, he's a guy that still can pick up some wins. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. We're going back to 2017, which isn't that long ago, that he had a win over Joe Lozon, which at the time was a good win. He had a win over Eric Koch before that. So, um, you know, you look at his losses, Oliveira, everyone loses to Oliveira. Jim Miller, I mean, that's one he probably would have liked back. But I I'm with you here. I, I did pick Bobby Green on the show, but I will say that the value for sure is on Clay Guida because I think this is a case of two guys who are just past their prime and it's whoever has more left in in, the, in their uh, career, so to speak. And um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, like this could go either way. I mean, this if this fight was five years ago, Adam, we'd be talking about this being a pivotal matchup in the lightweight division, but it isn't. So uh, yeah, I think I, I think either way, I see it going the distance. I think, you know, it's either going to be Guida or or Green uh, getting their hand raised um, by, by decision. I agree. So your pick for Friday night, would it be Emmett Burgos as well? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's right. Do you have a sleeper fight? Uh, like, uh, like uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if, we, if we want to go sleeper, let me look here. I actually think, uh, you know you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll go a little bit off the board here. I actually think sure. the opening fight between Austin Hubbard and Max yeah. uh, Rock, uh, Roscroft uh, is going to be interesting just because uh, you've got a really young, uh, hungry kid who's undefeated taking on a guy in Austin Hubbard who hasn't looked that great in the UFC, but he's another elevation fight team guy. Uh, you know, Drew Dober just won, Neil Magny. We had Curtis Blades is on this card too. Like Curtis and Austin Hubbard are like really 
really good friends. So I am sure, you know, Austin does not want to lose this fight, does not want to impact Curtis in his fight. So um, I think Hubbard's going to go out there and, and put on a good performance. But I think this will be one of those fights where Max will look great even in losing. Like I do see Hubbard winning, but um, it, that, that I think is a, just a great fight to open up the card. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I agree with you completely with everything you said, James. Just quickly, uh, the, the one fight they did change from the last time I did the podcast, Matt Frevola is out because his cornerman, Billy Quarantillo, who just fought a couple weeks ago against Spike Carlisle, tested positive for coronavirus. Matt Frevola tested negative, so he doesn't have it, but just the fact that it's such close contact, James, he had to be pulled from the card. It sucks for him. Thankfully, they did find someone to fight Frank Camacho. It will be uh, Justin, the guitar hero, James. Don't know too much about him. I'm pretty sure you're somewhat familiar. Just know anything about this? Yeah, not a ton, actually, to be honest. The only name I I do, the only only, uh, sort of uh, couple fights I remember of his, or at least I remember hearing about him, was that he lost to, um, uh, who is it, Uh, Tommy Aaron. Actually, he fought Troy Lampson. Troy Lampson was... um, Okay. Was uh, was undefeated at the time. Lampson's a guy who trains at Hard Knocks or I guess Sanford MMA now. He's like an up and coming prospect. He's probably going to be in the UFC soon. But uh, that was a good win for him at the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know a ton about this guy. But uh, Frank Camacho is a guy that always brings it. And I think his record's a little bit deceiving because you know you look at some of the guys that he's fought. I mean, he had to fight Jeff Neal at welterweight. Like that's a death sentence for anyone. So um, I, I think I think this is a very interesting matchup. But I, I think Camacho uh, just having a little bit more experience. I, I could see him edging it out. I could see him putting on a good performance. And and one thing. I don't know if people are aware. So Camacho lives in Guam, right? But um, for because he knew he was going to be fighting in the States, he actually came out, I, I want to say a couple weeks early, uh, to California to train at Team Oyama. So I think that's good for him to get acclimatized. He doesn't have to worry as much about the weight cut because he's able to do most of it in the States. So um, I think this is a great move for him. And I, I think Frank will look good in this fight. I think, you know, again, uh, fighting a guy that's more on his level, I think he'll really shine in this fight. Yeah, I like Frank Camacho in this fight too. And, and the fact is that lightweight, James, I think it's probably a better weight class for him. If you can make the weight, Really exciting guy, though. Like, super exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to this fight, but I am going to pick Frank Camacho. That's the only pick that obviously changed since I've lost in the show. Okay, I just want to get to a few comments here, James. You got turned up and <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? How's it going, buddy? Listener Radius. I'm not sure what that says. I really hope, <laughs> like, we love you guys or something. I hope it's Yeah, safe. exactly. Yeah, we'll just we'll just assume that. John Hunko, the boys are backing down. What's going on? They bro? are. We need that song, yeah. Yep. Masio, Masio, Blaze never goes for subs. Why not maybe this time? You know, he talked about it on the media call yesterday, James. It just seems like he wants to beat the crap out of Volkov. Like, that's just his game plan. Can he go for subs? I was thinking about him. Like, the way he's built his body, like, I don't know what subs he would really go for, you know? I, maybe a guillotine or something. But, like, I can't see him being the kind of guy James is like, going for an armbar or something. So, no. like, I don't see him getting the sub. I don't think there's going to be a sub in this fight. No, and you wonder how, because of how long Volkov is, I wonder if that's going to be more difficult to sub yeah. him. Like he has longer limbs. So I'd imagine that's going to be a little tougher. I'm actually just checking here to see if Volkov's even lost by submission before. Uh, he lost way back in 2010. There you so go. it's been a few minutes uh, since he's been submitted there. So You know what, you know what James, I was thinking? Uh, next week, I think, it's been 10 years since Verdun sub Fedor. 10 years next week. Wow. That's crazy, so right? We're getting old, man. I know, dude. And you got a kid and you're, you're married and stuff. And, you know, that could happen to me soon, too. So we're getting old, yeah. man. Like, we still got the love of the sport here. Okay, so. Damn right. So I got Marcus asking a question. You know, Marcus, I'll get to that fight later. I just want to uh, focus on this card first. Pavlos says burial last fight of deal. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure it's the last fight of Pichota's deal, too. If not, you know, he'll be cut. Yeah, it's a loser leaves town match for sure. 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 I've ever seen one. Yeah. We're up MMA Blades via SUP plus 850. Take that money and, and do something else with it, man. Put some gas in your car. I don't think that wins. <laughs> yeah. Trey, why not rear naked choke? I guess you could do get a rear naked, but like again, you know, I love Curtis Blades. He's a super athletic guy. I don't like I don't know how good his jujitsu is, you know, mm. at level. Like I'm sure he can submit guys, but like you said, James, Volkov 
he's just a weird matchup, man. Those long limbs, like I will say this though, like I was surprised when uh, I took the reach. They're both at 80 inches, which surprised mm -hmm. me because Blaze is a big dude, but I'm you know, Volkov's a six seven. He's one of the tallest guys, maybe the tallest guy in the division right now. Got home record knee knocker, good riddance burial. Guess he doesn't like Mark Andre Barrio. All right, let's get to uh, Fight Island, James. So, dude, no, I'm, pumped. I'm pumped, James. Honestly, like this is so great for us covering the sport. It's just great for fans. We're so lucky in MMA, man. I feel like we got to really realize how lucky we are because you look, if you're a baseball fan right now, all you're doing is watching these guys go back and forth in labor negotiations. You're a hockey mm -hmm. fan, you're hoping the season does go on as planned, but who knows? By the way, quickly, sorry to interrupt. Did you watch that long summer, the ESPN 30 for 30 with McGuire, McGuire and Sosa? Because I know you're a big baseball guy. I didn't see it, but I – got to see it. I watched it last night. Huge yeah. fan. It was so – it just brought me back all those memories of the home yeah. run uh, chase and stuff. So just side note there. I just figured I'd throw well, that. Great side note. I was about like 10 years old actually when they were doing that, James. So that's kind of when I started getting into baseball. Like as much as steroids are terrible – like It, it helped the sport. I don't care what people yeah. say. That was exciting. Griffey – remember it was yeah. Griffey and McGuire and then it was yeah. McGuire and Sosa. Like that was awesome. That was probably the only time I was like really into baseball. Of course, Barry Bonds. I remember when, when like I was really into baseball like uh, 2003 or so. Barry Bonds, must-watch TV. Every time he had Nat Bat James, I'd run up. It's either a walk or a home run. He had 73 home runs one year. Anyways, mm. this guy doesn't like Pachota. All right. Uh, yeah, as far as uh, Fight Island goes, they did announce all the cards yesterday. So, again, don't want to go through all of them like uh, in super detail, James. But overall thoughts on the cards? I mean, I feel like the UFCs did a great job putting some really good fight cards together. What do you think? I think they did a phenomenal job. And here's the other thing we got to remember too. Like they're not able to use a lot of their stars right now. A lot of them are holding yeah. out for more money. Uh, you know, Masvidal, Jones, Nate Diaz, McGregor's supposedly retired. Cejudo's supposedly retired. Like that's a big chunk of your superstars that are out, yet they're still making these really good fights. So I'm with you. I mean, three title fights on UFC 251. That's that's awesome. Um, you know, even some of the matchups on there as well, like Andrade and Namajunas, that rematch, that's going to be interesting. How about, um, you know, you've got uh, Leo Santos returning. Always exciting yeah. watching him fight. Um, even like the opening fight that, that they have on there right now. I don't know if you saw that Martin days fighting Davy Grant. Like that's just like a fun matchup to have on that card. So, um, it, it's really cool to see, uh, yeah, them, them still able to sort of stack these cards and, and keep the momentum going because we haven't missed a beat basically since this whole thing, uh, you know, came back into action. So really uh, excited for these uh, upcoming cards. Oh, I even forgot the, the fight we should all be talking about the light heavyweight fight. Yuri, uh, yeah, Yuri, the, uh, the rising guy making his debut against uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. Yeah, no, great card. Uh, top to bottom, phenomenal car. Hopefully it stays together, you know, fingers crossed. Some fights that I'm looking at, as Lizu Zaleski de Santos versus Muslim Salikov, that's a crazy yep. fight. Someone's probably going to get murdered in that fight. Uzdemir versus Prozaska, like you said, James, that's a sick fight. Should be on the main card. A uh, lot of criticism in the chat the last few weeks of Pedro Anzant versus Amanda Rebus opening the card. To me, it's like the UFC's uh, making an interesting fight here because Amanda Rebus is a strawweight, so she's going to move up to flyweight here to kind of almost help Paige out. Paige is going to be a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, after this fight. Mm -hmm. It's a massive fight for her. I feel like the UFC is almost doing her a favor by putting her on the main card. If she wins this fight, that's great. I mean, Bellator is going to make a big offer. One could make a big offer. Maybe she'll stay in the UFC. Who knows, right? But a lot of people are thinking Mana Rios is going to beat the hell out of her, James. And you look at the betting line right now. Mana Rios is minus 700. Paige wow. said plus 500. That's ridiculous, James. I had it lined yeah. at about three to one or something. Like, I can't believe it's seven to one. Page yeah, that's too much. That's too yeah. much. Look, Paige, like I, yeah. we, we get it. Paige is not, yeah. she's not like this up and coming, like, like fighter where you're like, oh my, like, she's not like a Tatiana Suarez, right? Like Suarez is someone who's like, you know, I think we'll fight for a title one day. You've never really gotten that indication with Paige Van Zandt. I mean, she's a decent fighter though. She's got some decent wins, but 
like Amanda Rebus is not like she's winning her fights, but it's not like she's like killing her opponents. Like she what she beat uh, Randa in her last fight, which Randa I think we can agree is kind of the gatekeeper of that division. I love Randa, great fighter, exciting to watch, but she is pretty much the gatekeeper there. And then she beat Mackenzie Dern, who I mean I guess that was right off Dern's pregnancy. Like I don't think we should put too much stock into Amanda Rebus here because again, like she's not. It's not like she's like destroying her opponents here, and the, and the level of competition just isn't amazing. Now conversely, Van Zan, I mean, what what's her best win? Probably Felice Herrig, right? Like it's. It's not like she has a ton of you know great wins, and then when she does get that step up, like she's been totally dominated against the top of the top. So I don't like. I mean, I will still pick Rebus, I think, but that is insane yeah. as far as the line goes. Oh, it's crazy. We got Kenshiro here saying Rebus should minus seventeen hundred. I don't. I just feel like a lot of people hate Paige Van Zandt, James, so they like bet against her. You know, again, Rebus should win, but I just think the odds are stupid. Minus seven hundred plus five hundred. I don't. I don't agree with it. Rebus mm -hmm. would be Ivan James in a row. So. Of course, Rebus would, beat, Rebus would beat the hell out of me, man. Not, not even a question. We're not professional fighters, bro. Um, what was the other comment here? Pavel says Rebus a beast. She's a beast, but minus 700 in a women's fight? These often go to decision, James, are decided by the judges. I wouldn't do it. So, you know, but again, the rest of this card, pretty solid. And then even the other fight cards they announced, James, just get your quick thoughts on some of these fights. Like, what about Gustafson moving up to heavyweight? I, I kind of like the move. I was surprised by it, James. I think he beats Verdum. Verdum is really old and slow now. What do you think about the matchup? Yeah, Verdum look awful. I think it's yeah. a great fight for Gustafsson. Yeah. Uh, Verdum looked like nothing, taking nothing away for Alexi Olenek, but I mean, that was a total beatdown. I think we, when we saw Verdum come back, we figured, okay, it'd be a pretty close fight. Um, but but Olenek like made him look like an amateur in there. And if Verdum looks anything like he did in that last fight, I think Gustafsson's going to win dominantly. And I think, I think he will look better at, at heavyweight because doesn't fight John Jones. He can just, you know, because he was good at light heavyweight. We forget. I mean, even that Anthony Smith fight, he was winning that fight. He ended up losing. But um, I think him not having to cut that extra weight, him actually being able to go out there and, you know, uh, like just kind of do what he does best and not have to worry about the weight, I think he could potentially look better. So I, I, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, great fight. That's on the July 25th card, which is headlined by another awesome fight. Whitaker versus, versus Till. Yeah. I think the winner probably is next in line after Costa. They got to figure out the Costa thing. We'll talk about that a little later, James, but they got to figure that out. Um, also, on that card, you have a trilogy. I don't understand why they're doing the third fight between Shogun and Little Nog. Shogun's <laughs> already beat Little Nog twice, and they're both like 45 years old now. So, like, what's the point of this? Kind of bizarre. Uh, Nostalgic another, fight. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, but I just don't understand the point of it. I know that you interviewed, if my mom was taking Pedro Munoz. Uh, I did. Yeah. I interviewed him the other day. It'll be on the podcast on Tuesday. So, about the July 18th. Uh, July 15th card. They actually switched that fight. I think it was on 251. Great so fight, you know the story. Do you, I'm sure you saw, I don't know if you saw my tweet on there. So you know that was supposed to be the main event. Yes. And you know, it's funny because Cole actually messaged me when they announced that it was being switched. He's like, this should be the main event and not Cater and Ige. I was thinking maybe he's right. And then like you said, you got the, uh, the, the scoop that it was actually going to be the main event. If I'm not mistaken. You tweeted that Pedro told you Frankie's the one who didn't want it, right? That's right. Munoz wanted to fight five rounds. Edgar did not. Understandable to a certain degree because it's first Edgar's first yeah. fight at, at bantamweight, so maybe he wants to see because Edgar's fought five rounds dozens of times, multiple title shots, was a champion at one fifty five. So it's understandable, but um, yeah, I, I found that a little bit interesting. And the thing was, like, I didn't even ask Munoz about it. He just sort of brought it up. I was saying, you know, were, were you surprised about the fight getting moved? And he's like, well, it was actually supposed to be the main event, and obviously Cater and Ige got the main event spot instead. But uh, still, a really pivotal fight. You know what, Adam? I got to be honest. Like, I don't think that's a great fight for Frankie Edgar to come back to Munoz is good man he's good on the ground he's got good stand-up I know Edgar's Edgar but still like I think they should have given him someone a little bit like down the rankings a little bit someone that's less of a threat because Munoz is good I mean yeah. lost his last fight to Sterling but you look at the before that knocked out Garbrandt has some really uh, good wins in that division also finished Rob Font like he's he's a good bantamweight so it'll sure. be an interesting test for Edgar 
he's great. And I remember you've been high on this guy like ever since he came to UFC from I think RFA. RFA. Yeah. 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 Like I know you've been high back when we did the original show, James. So I'm yeah. with that. I love the other fight. I love the main event, uh, Cater and Yige. Great fights. Uh, the, oh, by, uh, by the way, the betting line came out for that, James. Right now we got uh, Cater minus 280 and Yige plus 220. Seems about right. Uh, yeah. I, I did pick Yige to win his last fight against Barboza, but after watching that fight, I thought he lost. Uh, he's a good fighter, I think, but I feel like Cater's on a different level, James. That win over mm. Stevens, that knockout. Uh, who does that to Jeremy Stevens? He's very hard guy to finish. Aldo finished him. I know Eves Edwards did years ago, but he's a tough guy to finish. So I think what Cater did there was super impressive. He wins this fight, James. He's like banging on the door of that top five. And uh, I'm super high. He's another guy you're super high on as well. I am. I, I would, I would, my early pick right now would be Cater as well. Um, I just think he's, he's been a little bit more battle tested in that division. I mean, nothing against Ige. He's been a nice surprise. You remember he lost his UFC debut to Julio Arce. And since then he's improved in every fight. I actually think he hasn't lost. He's been undefeated since then. So and he's picked up some good wins like the Bectic win, uh, the win over Barbosa. I'm with you there. I thought Barbosa won, but uh, Calvin Cater has just, you know, improved every fight. And I mean, he's lost a few, he lost to Moicano, lost to Zabit, but he's a guy that is, can, you know, he's dangerous in, in every division. And you know, what's interesting, Adam, like I talked to Volkanovsky yesterday or the other day, Matt will also be out on the podcast on Tuesday. And he mentioned that, you know, he feels there isn't really a number one contender. Now in my head, I would have said Korean zombie, but then you also have to remember that zombie, you know, got knocked out by Yaya Rodriguez and all that. And he just beat Edgar, who's now bantamweight. So it's really kind of tough to see who's who, but Volkanovsky kind of agreed with what I said. I said, you know, do you feel there's kind of a tournament going on where you have these pivotal fights, including Emmett and Burgos, where I think whoever looks the most impressive out of all those fights potentially could fight for the title next, because you know how that's sort of the UFC is. That's what they did with bantamweight um so i could see them you know potentially like even though like i know it's not confirmed but even if zabit and rodriguez fight if one of those fights goes the distance they could give someone else the shot maybe like a korean zombie if he beats ortega or whatever but um it's a really interesting time in the featherweight division i agree 100 james i think the most impressive winner of these fights probably gets the next title shot the UFC's gonna have a lot of options this is a great division 135 and 145 are amazing divisions especially right now so many good fighters um you know just quickly some of the other fights on these cards uh abdul razak al hassan is coming back i don't know the guy he's fighting munar lazez kind of weird mm -hmm. they would give him a newcomer like coming off the win over uh was it nico price in the last fight it's been two yeah. years he spot he got cleared of the rape accusations so he's back but you know james this is a guy that a lot of people are really high on who um some people are thinking could be a potential contender in this division what are your thoughts on his return I think it's great. Um, I think it's interesting that two teammates are two of the dark horses in that welterweight division, uh, Razak Al-Hassan uh, Al and Jeff Neal. Uh, it's interesting they train together, right? Because I think they're both kind of the same way. I think they're both dangerous. They're both guys that if they continue to get wins they, the way they're... Because the, this is what we sort of talked about this earlier, right? When I was referencing Amanda Rebus. Like with Neil and guys like uh, him and, and uh, Razak Al-Hassan, like they're like destroying their opponents like they're like winning by knockout i know neil had a bit of a closer fight with nico price but he still finished him like i think these are the types of uh you know fighters you need to pay attention to that potentially could make some noise down the line and uh i'm not sure what is uh what is next for for neil but for razak al-san if he gets another knockout here he we're going to start talking about him getting some of the contenders in that division i would think yeah and his lone loss i believe is to akmedov who's at middleweight now and he's one of the exactly division so not a bad he's fighting chris weidman now which is interesting yeah, we'll talk about that fight later james i want to get your thoughts on that one uh just maybe the last fight that we'll talk about from these fight island cards joseph yeah. duffy versus joel alvarez I, I was surprised when i saw joe duffy return i thought he had retired james i'm not gonna lie i think you've interviewed him before if I'm not mistaken. yeah a couple times yeah yeah not since he's been with ali but he's uh for the most part i've i've spoken to him and uh yeah i mean it's it, talk about a fall from grace i mean here was yeah. a guy that came in had a couple good wins and then he's he lost i think it was the poirier fight that he lost and he hasn't really been the same since that yeah he hasn't fought since last march 
you lost to Mark Casey, who's a guy that's kind of – It's a fight he should have won, to be honest, right? And he also lost to James Vick. He got knocked out by James Vick. When you get knocked out by James Vick, it's not too good. But, yeah, <laughs> an interesting guy for sure. Just a few comments here. We got uh, Kinshiro. Frankie's a company man. He is. Like, he did them a favor with the zombie fight. That was a terrible matchup for him. I feel like mm -hmm. his manager put him in a bad spot in that fight, James, to be honest with you, getting knocked out there. Kinshiro says, Danny, he barely won his last fight. Cater showed he's at the top, pushing his to beat round three. I think if that fight was five rounds, he probably would have beat Zabit. I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you. He won the third round. Zabit was getting tired. I like Zabit a lot. I think Zabit probably should be in fighting for the belt pretty soon. But the fact he hasn't bid five rounds is just really bizarre to me. So maybe that fight with Yair, he gets pushed to the fight into uh, championship fight territory, James, and loses. So we'll see what happens there. Yair and Ortega ran from Zabit for over a year. Ortega had a choice of like decided to slap a cream pops her to the void Zabit. I mean, these guys are professional MMA fighters, and Brian Ortega's not ducking anyone, bro. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I was making a joke there about the yeah, whole yeah. Uh, Ortega and Modelo thing because he says, yo, you have a choice or whatever, which that, okay. that joke's totally played out. That's the new friggin' who the fuck is this guy, Connor joke. That's what that's been lately. I see it all the time on the YouTube comments. Okay, cool. So I'm I, I'm aware of that now. Uh, Adrian Kapoor, Adam James back at it. The band's back together. We are. That's right. And Kinshura says something about Jeff. Jeff Neal's a guy. I love Jeff Neal. Marcus messages me like all the time. He's like, do you know where, when Jeff Neal's fighting next? Man, I was so I, I normally don't announce guests before I interview them, but literally directly after this, I'm going to be talking to Jeff Neal. I should oh. mention that. So, and oh. we've rescheduled a couple times this week. So this should end up happening. So from yeah. what I've heard, I'll just give you guys a little bit of backstory. Um, as far as I know, there's been a couple opponents that have turned down Jeff Neal. And I'm hoping that he'll say some of those names, or at least we can get an idea of who has turned him down. But I know one top welterweight, which I'll let him say it. I don't want to be the guy to leave it out but there was one name that i heard about that i was like wow i can't believe they turned down a fight with him so now this is according to neil and his team but uh we'll, we'll see so hopefully we'll get some answers there but jeff neil always an exciting uh, guy to watch hey, in the cage and a good interview too i agree you know I, i'd love to see him fight robbie Lawler. I, I think he's actually ranked above robbie at this point i don't know if i agree yeah. with just because robbie is a former champ i think he should get a little bit more respect in the rankings i love jeff Neal. i think jeff Neal would beat robbie i just was yeah. surprised when he moved above him in the ranks i still would like to see that fight Ponzinibbio is a good fight too if he returns. I don't know what's going on with Santiago, but he's the guy that was on the rise, James, and then got hurt. He's been out for a couple of years now, but that's a fun fight. So I'm excited to see that interview with you. And um, let's move on to uh, the Joe Silva stuff, James. The Joe Silva stories has become a hashtag. All these fighters now, James, speaking out against Joe Silva, the former matchmaker. We, me and you ran into Joe Silva at that party. Remember party that? in Toronto. I was mentioning this to someone the other day. Yeah, it's crazy. You want to talk about that, James? Well, yeah. Um, well, the party, it was a great party. We had a good time. We met Phil Davis and Chris White. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, as far as Joe Silva, like, look, this doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you run any business um, that's successful, you're going to have people that do business in a way that is not going to be pleasant. I mean, that's just, I'm not excusing his behavior, but it's a tough job. You got like Joe Silva's job is two things. Number one is to book the best fights he can book. And number two is to get the UFC, the fighter, like a, like a fair contract with the fighters from the company's perspective. You don't want to overpay someone, right? So um, yeah, I mean, hearing some of the stuff that he said was a bit unfortunate as far as all that stuff goes. Um, but uh, but in general, um, you know, it's it, it's just like any bad business. Like look at Vince McMahon. I'm, we're, I was watching that uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, documentary series like a few weeks ago. And like you just hear of all the like crappy stuff behind the scenes of WWE like unfortunately like a lot of these businessmen like if they want to get ahead if they want to get to a certain level they got to do stuff ruthlessly so it's unfortunate i mean that eddie alvarez story like joe silva telling him he's boring like what eddie alvarez is yeah. an exciting fighter like i don't get stuff like that but yeah i see both sides of it i mean it, it sucks for the fighters but at the same time like i know it's a you have to be a little bit ruthless in business so i yeah. sort of see both sides of it it's a tough job man matchmaking because like you said james you're booking the fights you're signing fighters you're also doing their contracts. That's the hard part, right? So it's a tough job. It's a ruthless job. 
I, I will say that I'm pretty disgusted by some of the stuff that, you know, he's allegedly said, like to Gerald Harris, you know, he said, you never make it in the UFC. And then he won, James, he won three fights. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but on the Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin card, he knocked out David Branch with this crazy slam. One of the best knockouts of the year. I was, the next fight was UFC 123 in Detroit. It was the first UFC I ever went to, November 2010. Drove down to Detroit, watched that fight. He lost to Mikel Facco and he got cut. It was a three-run record. No one ever really knew why he got cut. Now he's talking about saying how Joe Silva made him so sick. He's like he's been depressed for years now, thinking about why he was cut from the UFC. So that made me really upset. The, you know, the Eddie Alvarez thing, I'm assuming he's talking about uh, after he beat like Melendez and Pettis. Those weren't the most exciting fights, but... It's a guy that was in one of the greatest fights of all time with Michael Chandler. It's a guy that was a champion in uh, uh, Bellator, Bodog, like exciting fighter. So I didn't agree with those comments. The Roland DeLorme thing was also pretty upsetting where basically he made Roland wait six months to take a fight until he was like allegedly broken, starving. Gray Maynard said some uh, some pretty upsetting stuff. And now Brandon Schaub has been – he went on – I don't know if you saw that Brandon Schaub, but he was saying he said that, you know, Joe Silva was – uh, really going after uh, Lex McMahon for uh, Rory McDonald and himself. I think those guys were an alchemist back then, right, James? So yeah. apparently he said some nasty stuff. So you know what? It's one of these things, you know, um, it's it's really coming out now in the wash. Uh, from what I heard, I think Hey Not The Face, John Nash, he said that Joe Silva got paid $33 million when the UFC got bought out. So he was obviously one of the top, he was one of the top executives, James. So no surprise there, but he doesn't, you know, I, I saw Stephen Morocco apparently reached out for comment. He said no comment. He's not going to talk, James. He's a guy that never well, talked. The thing is, though, I mean, I, I understand that because let's say he does talk, no matter what he says or does, even if he's remorseful, people are going to still come after him. So him yeah. not saying anything is probably his best course of action. And look, I'm with you. I mean, here's the thing. Like, yes, he's probably very wealthy now uh, getting bought out by the UFC and having, you know, he's retired now, but he's got to live with that the rest of his life, how he treated people. So it's, you pay a price for everything. Trust me. And it's, I'm with you. Like, I hate hearing stories like, you know, where they're really screwing fighters around and they have all the leverage, right? It's like the WWE model where the UFC, they're about the brand they're not about the fighters so you're lucky to fight for us it's like someone was telling me this the other day like i think i was talking to just like a casual fan and they're like oh what happens if jones and masvidal don't fight you know what happens they just replace them they, yeah. they just continue because they got to do cards no matter what so if they don't have jones or masvidal or mcgregor it doesn't matter what their viewership is they have to do cards anyway so they'll just continue to fill up those cards and look when covid happened remember dana's like look you don't want to fight we'll get guys that that aren't even in the ufc and we'll bring them in so unfortunately the way the model's set up not a lot of rights for the fighters Hundred um, percent. As far as Maswell goes, I feel like you know I totally respect what he's doing by holding out. He's not the first professional athlete to hold out. This happens all the time in the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, etc. But uh, I will say this, James: MMA is different, and he's not getting paid now. He's sitting at home, so he could have taken that fight with Burns. Probably wasn't what he or um, with Usman, excuse me. Maybe not exactly what he wanted, James. But I still feel like that's better than not making any money at all. So it's a tough spot for the fighters, man. Obviously, they want to have change. You got big names speaking out now, but. I don't know. I don't see anything changing unless like, you know, the, the government cracks down on it and says you have to pay these guys more. I can't see much changing. I don't feel like we're close to, even though it seems like we're close to a union, closer to a union, I still feel like we're so far away, James, personally. No, but, I'm with you there. I, this, the, if they were to do a union, it would be now. It would be McGregor right. and all these guys getting together yeah. and saying we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, but but I like like I think I think you will see these guys fight again, including McGregor. But I think it won't be until we get crowds back because I think that's a big thing that's yeah. that the fighters are losing out on and the UFC is losing out on. Like if you're Conor McGregor and you don't have a crowd, like that's a huge like loss for the company in general because how many uh, fight fans from Ireland? 
fly, you know, halfway across the world to watch Connor fight. It happens all the time. And that's just not something you, you know, would have that it wouldn't happen if McGregor was fighting in an empty arena. So I think I, the timing of it is just bad. Like I want these guys to get paid what they deserve, but I can understand the UFC not wanting to fork out all this money when they're not even getting their full um, you know, payback, so to speak, uh, with not having the crowds there. So it's a it's a tough situation. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I feel like they're making great points. Like the revenue split in MMA is just ridiculous. Terrible, yeah. Essentially 80-20, you know, a little bit less than that. Other sports games are all 50-50. That's what it should be. You know, or at least like I saw Cub Swanson saying like, you know, 25-30% at least. But, you know, I can't see anything changing right now. Uh, Massio, Massio, Adam James, I made a bet last week to not get paid yet because of the two changes, Griffin and Marab. You got to email the book or something. Do the live chat with them. I don't know what sports book you're using, buddy, but like the Marab fight at least should have paid off. I, I guess you're saying they got the fights that got canceled. You should have got your money back by now, man. Mm -hmm. Love both of your shows. Nice, smart guys. Zero tolerance to troll. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's both of us. I clap back at the trolls every now and then. Yeah. Gerald Harris. Uh, Pablo says, Gerald Harris, good. Good prospect. Got cut. Surprising. 3-1. He's like 42 now, I think. So he's not really a prospect anymore. But he was a great prospect. And it is upsetting that he got cut. Gerald's a great guy, too. Uh, James, awesome guy. Great on Twitter, too. All right. Next point I want to talk about here, James. Uh, actually, this is a, it's a good segue from what we were talking about. Um, Cub Swanson came out, and he said that he had a pick for – uh, the union leader for the UFC fighters, he said Brian Stan would be the guy. And I thought, wow, what a great pick. Uh, Brian right now is not in the game. He's, I, I, I think he works at a university, if I'm not mistaken, or something, or some sort of business. Um, he's under the game now, but I think that's a great pick. I think what comes on to something personally, what do you think? Yeah, Brian Sand, very intelligent, knows the sport well. Like we forget how good of an announcer he was because it's been so long since he's commentated. Um, I have a feeling, though, he just wants to stay out of MMA. I have a feeling something happened with the UFC for him to leave. Um, I don't know if it was the travel schedule. I don't know if it was just the UFC in general doing business. But you notice he kind of just left, and we haven't heard much from him. And I find that a little odd. So not that I'm like throwing a conspiracy theory out there, but I do find that a little interesting. And, um, yeah, I think he would be the perfect guy. But I just think right now he wants nothing to do with MMA. That's uh, the sense okay. I get. I love Brian Stan. Uh, you know, he was first of all a great. Brian fan. Stan's a big fan of your work, which is uh, very cool to see. I remember one time he messaged me and said, you know, like I, I can't remember what he said, James, but he basically said like it means a lot coming from you because I said something about his commentary. I thought he was the best fighter commentator they had. I think yeah. he's great. I think Bisping's great. I think Felder's really good. I don't like Cruz personally, James. I don't think Cruz is very good at the job, but I thought that Brian Stan was better than all of them. I thought he was incredible. So you know, I'd like to see him back in the game, but I'm with you. It was kind of weird. He just kind of like. He's such a classy guy, James, where it's like if something did happen behind the scenes, we would never know about it because Brian's not that kind of guy who would you know, do that. He's got some other things going on. He's a family man. Uh, anyways, I'd like to see him back in that role as union leader. I think that's a great idea, but you know, we'll see what happens there. Massio says I use Lotto Quebec. Bro, it's kind of cool that you can actually bet on like uh, fights at, with uh, Lottery Quebec or whatever. We can't do that with Proline, James, but uh, I would definitely like call them or something, man. That doesn't seem right to me. All right, let's go to the next point here, James. Actually, this is an interview you did yesterday, if I'm mistaken, uh, with Volkanovski. Mm -hmm. and, and Alexander Volkanovski, he expressed interest in fighting Habib. Now, here's where fans, they're not reading the story, James. They're not looking at the quotes that you I know. typed out. It was very clear from what you said, James, and what Alex said. He's not looking past Max at all. He's saying if he beats Max and then beats another one of these top guys like uh, Zabit or Ortega or whoever, then he'd be looking at a fight with Habib next year. And I think that'd be a great fight, James. I think it's a really interesting fight. So do you want to talk about that interview really quickly? 
Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, and you definitely brought up that point. And I, I can understand a bit. I mean, people don't, I mean, you know, people don't read the whole article sometimes. So they miss uh, things like that. And he was very, you know, it was a question I asked at the end just because I know uh, he had expressed interest in going up to lightweight later on in his career. So we, so I asked him about it. But the quote's very clear. He says, in the, you know, eventually in the future, I'd like to, you know, test the, the lightweight division, basically, is what he said. So yeah, he's interested in it. He likes the matchup. He feels that he's very tough to take down. Uh, I would love to see that fight down the line. But yeah, he said he's got some work to do at Featherweight. He's got to clean things up. Um, and, and just so you guys know, like from my perspective, little insight into the media, like uh, Volkanovsky did an interview with ESPN like before me. So, and the focus on that was obviously on Cejudo and everyone picked it up and it, you know, this is how it works. If you're going to do interviews, you want to do stuff that's going to get noticed. So obviously I, I did talk about Cejudo in the interview, but it wasn't the main focus because like no one's going to pick up that story because they're going to pick up the ESPN one. So I went the Habib route because I knew it's something that he wanted to, that he'd expressed interest in going up to lightweight. And like I said, I think it's a fun matchup, but yes, he's not looking past Max. He knows that there's a lot of, uh, you know, top contenders in the featherweight division. I think he'll defend his belt a few times. And if Habib hasn't retired and he's still you know, wants to, to have that fight, then that that's a potential option. But you'll see in the full interview when it comes out on Tuesday that he's just, it was just like a little thing I asked him at the end. And we sort of just wanted to highlight that because again, that's how you get your, your interviews picked up is when you take a different angle. Like if I would have gone with the Cejudo thing, they would have taken the ESPN quote over mine any day of the week. So that's just how it works. And that's the thing. That's why I picked it up, James. Cause I'm like, Hey, I haven't heard this yet. Obviously, we already have this Cejudo story. You know, I think Tom or Cole must have picked that up. But uh, the Habib thing was new, so that's why I picked it up. Um, you know, as far as Cejudo goes, I also wanted to ask you about him. He's 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 hilarious, by the way. So now he's saying, you know, he, he would come back, and if he lost to Volkanovski, I think he said he'd, he'd leave his, uh, his his first girlfriend. <laughs> right, yeah. But now he said it's, a, it's so funny. It might actually be, too. Um, I do feel like Sean was on to something, by the way, James. I don't know if, what, what you think, but I feel like Sean was on to something in, in that, you know, now that he's met this girl, I feel like he wants to spend time with her and not focus so much on training for these fights. But I, I, I would be interested in this fight, James, with Cejudo and, and Volkanovski. And I'll tell you why. History. I think it'd be cool if Cejudo came out of retirement and made history with winning a third belt. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there. As long as it doesn't like if, if we have a situation where there isn't like, let's say every single featherweight fight goes to the decision and it was close and nothing was impressive and there's no other contender coming out, then yes, I would be okay with seeing Cejudo come back and fight. But if we have a situation where we have a number of contenders, like like the St. Pierre coming to fight Bisping is a good example, right? Like there were contenders at the time, like poor Jacare. He should yeah. have had a title shot at some point. Uh, Romero should have had should have been able to fight Bisping. Like there was all these fights that uh, could have happened, but GSP just decided to go in there. And yes, it was a great moment. He won another belt and everything but i mean that's an example of where you know someone coming out of retirement and, and fighting for a title really did hold up the division so i would only be for it if there weren't any like clear-cut contenders at that time and it was just a case of volkanovsky needing to keep active yeah no, i'm with you on that one uh paul acosta is the guy i want to talk about quickly james he says you know he wants about 15 million to fight israel asanya to coach tough dana white has said that tough's going to come back from what i've heard this is the matchup they're targeting james for the coach mm -hmm. I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun actually. And also this fight hasn't been booked. A lot of these cards are getting filled up now, James, like this fight wouldn't happen until probably October at this point. So I, I do feel like they'll probably will coach tough $50 million. I, I feel like it's reasonable, you know, to do all that work. Coaching tough's a, a big commitment. Uh, do you think the UFC is going to get this job, uh, this fight done? Or do you think maybe someone could, else could sneak in the title picture if Paul Costa's demands are too much, they go with someone else. 
Well, yeah, it's possible. The, the one name out there that the people haven't really talked about is Jared Cantonier. Um, you know, he beat Jack Hermanson in his last fight. I think he's more than deserving of a title shot at this point. I know there's some other key fights like Whitaker and uh, until uh, that could potentially fight for the title next, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, 15 million, yeah, it seems a bit much. Here's the thing with the with tough, like you got to have people that can, you know, talk a lot of trash. And I mean, I don't know, Costa's English isn't amazing. I think he still uses his translator for, for a lot of his interviews. So I don't know how that would look on TV. Um, personally, I think if you're going to do tough, you do Colby and Woodley. Right, like that doesn't tie up a title. You here's the thing: the UFC. I know they're pretty much booked up until October, but like you would probably still want to have Adesanya and Costa fight like relatively soon. I think that's. I mean, I think they're probably going to end up coaching tough if that's why we haven't heard a peep about it. Because I mean, what Adesanya fight before the pandemic or fought before the pandemic? Costa's been out since he beat Romero. Like, why hasn't that fight been booked? So it makes me think they are going to do that. But I just think when you have a fighter who doesn't speak like amazing English and isn't like known for like I know Costa has a couple good quotes here and there, but like I don't think he's really known as like a trash talker. So I, I think, I think in, in terms of that, I, I don't know, like Adesanya would be a good coach, but I think Costa would kind of bring it down a little bit. So I would almost rather them go with someone else for the coaches and just get them to fight. But that's just me. Yeah, that's fair too. And actually I was going to bring up Colby because I know you're pretty close with him. We haven't heard much from Colby really, like as far as a, a fight booking, I feel like the Woodley fight is the one that makes sense. You look at the rankings that, that makes the fight. It's a fight we should have seen probably already. So have you heard anything about this fight potentially happening, James? I haven't heard anything. I wonder too, uh, you know, when Colby is going to decide to take his next fight because when we did our interview, he basically said like, yeah, I've left American top team, but I still got to put my team together. Like, I know Colby's good and I know he's, he's talented and, you know, in former interim champ, but like you want a proper camp, whoever you fight next, you don't want to lose two fights in a row. So I don't know how long that's going to take for him to form his own camp. Like it would be much easier if Colby said, look, I'm going to Arizona. I'm going to train at fight ready, or I'm going to go to Colorado and train at factory X. Like, that would be easier and, and that would be more of a chance of him fighting sooner. But I wonder with him putting this camp together in Florida and there's so many fighters, in American top team, and there's so many fighters at Sanford MMA that aren't going to train with Colby. Like who are you going to train with? So that's where I, I'm not like, it could delay Colby coming back even more. And then it's like, like I said, I think the Woodley fight makes the most sense for him as well, because if you saw how Woodley fought in his last fight, like I think it's a better matchup for Colby now than it would have been, say, a year ago. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But I think everyone wants to see Colby come back and fight. Well, not everyone. A lot of people hate Colby, but I would like to see Colby come back and fight. Yeah, so. I'd like to see him fight too. I mean, I think he's a great fighter. And I know a lot of people obviously don't agree with some of the stuff he said, James, and his politics. But always a great interview too with you, James. Like always gives yeah. you one of the easiest guys to book for an interview one of the most reliable people like it's you know from my perspective he's he's been great so uh yeah no complaints yeah he's super professional um you know as far as with the media i think goes james i never seen him have a problem with uh, with you guys um you know as far as some other stuff here i have on my list here james sean o'malley his next fight dana white said no to cody garbrandt i think that was too much of a step up to you you know sean's number 15 people need to slow their roll with this guy i, I love sean o'malley as a prospect and he had two years where he didn't wasn't able to fight, so he's a little behind in his, I guess, development in some ways inside the octagon. I think you just give him something like John Dodson, ranked number 13. I saw John just signed a new five-fight deal, so that could be the fight, James. Why throw him in there with Cody Garbrandt, a former champ right now? I think give him the slow build. Dodson's the right guy. What do you think? Well, so when, when they both won their fights, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Garbrandt. But then I kind of thought about it a little bit more, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a lose-lose for both fighters, right? Like, if O'Malley wins, okay, yeah, we fast-track him, and he's probably, you know, the best, the biggest star at, at bantamweight, and they can continue to push him towards a title shot, and that's whatever. But there's really no need to rush him. He's in his mid-20s. There's no reason to, you know, propel him that high. And and conversely, if, if Garbrandt loses again, that'll be, what, four of his last five that he yeah. would lose? So, I mean, that's going to hurt his stock. And I think Garbrandt still has a pretty 
decent following. And, you know, he just sort of got built back up again with that win over a sunset, which was a good win for him. It was great. I don't know necessarily if Garbrandt's like changed or anything like that, but that's still a good win for him. So, and then conversely, if, if Garbrandt wins again, yeah, I guess you could then sort of do, you know, Jan or whoever, like uh, who's, who's at the top, but then you've, you know, O'Malley's lost and he's lost some luster there. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Dodson makes sense. And I think for Garbrandt, you know, maybe do the cruise rematch or do like something where he's not going to fight wildly and he doesn't have the potential to, to, to get knocked out. So, um, you know, even like a Cody Stamen fight would make sense to me. Like, I don't know, just some fight where he's not going to be susceptible to getting knocked out. I think you got to keep him away from those types of fighters, at least in the interim until he gets sort of higher up in the rankings. But yeah, I think Sean and Do uh, O'Malley and Dodson and Garbrandt and maybe cruise rematch would be kind of cool for me. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Cruz rematch makes a lot of sense, actually, at this point, James. Uh, just a few comments here. we got Adrian Kapoor. Robert Palin, Irish MMA journalist. I don't know him too well, James. Maybe you know him. Talked about how many uh, not flying from Ireland to flying uh, to Connors fights anymore, and that most Irish flags and stands for the Cerrone fight were just Americans. Uh, I guess I can see that. I mean, Connor hasn't fought that much the last few years. Maybe his star power is fading a little bit, but I, I don't know. I think... Mark but let's not forget, that fight was on short notice, too. Like, yeah, they kind yeah. of announced that right before Christmas. So, I mean, if you're spending money on Christmas presents, like, that's right. probably why a lot of people didn't fly out. Like, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably the shortest Conor McGregor, like, fight announcement to fight that we've had, probably in his UFC career. Whereas, yeah. usually, you get, like, a long build-up. Remember, he did the press tour that we were at, like, years ago. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you, you have time to, to book all that stuff. So, I think that played into it as well. But I don't think the interest... I mean, I might be wrong. Robert's a great journalist. I've been on a show before, but um, you know, maybe that it's, it's one of those cases where you know maybe he has declined a bit. But I don't think so. I think his star power is still great. The fact that like I still have like my casual MMA friends um, still talking about him, I think speaks volumes. So we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not entirely sure on that. Yeah, we got Adrian saying respect to Volkov. His media day interview was cool to see how much he's improved. Un his English, unlike Jose Aldo, shaking. That's a good mind. point. This is something James used to talk about on the parting shot, man. Like years ago, you were like, why is Aldo not improving his English? Just didn't care enough. And I feel like, you know, it did kind of hurt his star power within North America. Because I think in early, like in the early 2010s, he should have been like one of the biggest stars in the sport. And I think he was a big star, but not like as big as he could have been because of his lack of English skills. Uh, Miroslav says, Rackage Smith. We'll talk about that in a sec, James. I do have that on the list. A few other things here, James. Uh, Dana White also talked about potentially uh, a new clothing company to sponsor the UFC for the fight kit. The three options, uh, Under Armour, Nike, and Venom. I think, I, I'm guessing, I think Nike's the one they're going to go with. Like, I think, I feel like the, the fact they threw Nike out, like, that's the biggest clothing brand out there, right? So that seems like the right fit. But I will say this. I hope the fighters get a bigger piece of the pie. The Reebok deal was an absolute joke. They got nothing from it. They got, like, less than half. It was a joke. Dana, I remember Dana said all the money's going to the fighters' games. He lied through his teeth. He, that's not true at all. So... Hopefully this is better for the fighters. Any thoughts on, on new sponsorship deal? Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, obviously Nike is the best uh, brand out of those three that you mentioned. Um, like, the, I don't know if that means that they're they're in the running. Like, he might just be saying that just to like you know get the other companies to get leverage. And I do wonder because Nike seems like a pretty strict company when it comes to like their athletes like misrepresenting them or like doing stuff that like isn't right. Like, I'm I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I know of athletes that have been rep by Nike that have like John Jones was with Nike I think before Reebok and didn't he get his thing taken away because of the DUI or something? I can't remember. But there's been other athletes in other sports where that's happened. Like. Can you imagine if you got Mike Perry wearing a Nike shirt and he's saying the N-word, which isn't supposed to, and like they come out and they just take his like sponsorship. Like I can see stuff like that happening. So, I mean, I don't know. Is the brand popular enough to get like a Nike? We'll, we'll see because um, Nike to me is a step up from Reebok. 
Um, but you know, if they, like Under Armour seems to make a lot of yeah. sense because like GSP was with them and, and everything. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know enough about the business side. Fight Oracle is the guy to follow on Twitter for that yeah. stuff. He knows a lot about the business side for sure. And you know, Venom is an MMA brand. I didn't know. Oh, yeah really still around too much because back in the day I mean, Vonderlay was sponsored for them. I actually have a pair. I had a pair of the shorts. I mean, I don't have it anymore, but um, definitely it was a, is a big brand, but uh, you know, I, it'd be nice if bad boy came back, James, that, I mean, geez, like yes. you know, Will or a guy there, man, like be nice for them to come back. I miss seeing guys like Gustafson and Shogun Anderson, like with those shorts. I love those shorts, James. They were my favorite. When, okay. I don't want to go get into the Reebok. Show, but I will say that it, really took away a lot from the fighters identities in my opinion like you look at a guy like, like chuck liddell i couldn't imagine chuck fighting without the, uh, the iceman shorts james you know for instance or or tito fighting without the uh the flame shorts like that's part of who they are as fighters and i feel like the reebok deal really took that away from them let's go to a question from marcus during this time of business being shut down do you guys heard anything about the employees of uh fighters doing a bellator it seems like bellator isn't gonna examine closely like ufc bellator is almost like it's disappeared in a way like no one talks about it anymore um, I, I hope they come back in return. They said July, I think they were aiming for. That's a few weeks away, James, and I haven't heard an announcement. I haven't heard anything either. I, You know, you'd hope they don't do any cuts. I mean, you know, kudos to the UFC that they've kept all their employees. I haven't heard of any firings there. Obviously, there's been some, uh, you know, some some media that have lost their jobs, which is unfortunate. But um, no, I think with uh, with the UFC, uh, yeah, they're, they're just, because they're the only show going right now. Of course, they're under the microscope more. But I don't know what's going on with Belter, but I do know, like, DAZN, there's a lot of stuff up in the air with them. I've heard they've had some issues with, um, you know, some of their live stream like content deals they laid off a few people like i know sporting news for example like they're tied in with the zone and i know like uh, steven muehlhausen uh, i'm sure you've seen him on twitter adam like great journalist he's he was let go so i don't like i think that's a part of like the whole the zone thing as well so um so i don't know um i like i said i haven't heard much uh, i know bellator is still producing a lot of content They're, robin black's been doing that show where they look back at, back at past fights they did one the other day with gaston Bolano. so um yeah I, I i will we'll just sort of keep tabs in it but you hope bellator is okay and you hope they're doing well because it is a good outlet for the for the fighters that that you know want something alternative to the UFC and for the fans as well. They put on some good fights, so hopefully yeah. everything's good with Bellator. I agree, but you know, I I could see you know being another three or four months till they have a show or something. Like they were saying July, James, but I feel like that's unrealistic. We haven't heard a peep. I don't think July is realistic at this point. We haven't heard anything. I agree. Um, I, quickly, Dana White didn't mention his uh, Mount Rushmore during that interview with the Schmo. He had four people on the Mount Rushmore, so you had Chuck Liddell, Voice Gracie, Amanda Nunes, and I think it was John Jones, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, it seems, you know, like the company people that he almost put up there. What do you think? So what it's, it's four on there, right? I think they were saying four, four fighters. Yeah. 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 I think it was four. So I would go GSP, Anderson Silva, Nunez and Jones. The only thing with Jones, obviously you got to worry about the steroid stuff, but I mean, let's assume he only did it for a couple fights or something. I think in general, just what he did, like when he yeah. beat Shogun, I don't think he was on steroids. Like those are like, like that was a good win at the time. Like Shogun was it knocked out Machida. Like it was a very good win. He beat Rashad. Like there, he beat Rampage when Rampage was really good. So I don't, I don't think you can take that away from him uh, in general. And yeah, the last couple of fights haven't been great, but um, but in general, he's he's won a lot of his fights. So I think he's sort of the only sort of question mark there. But I don't I don't think you could. The thing with GSP, like a lot of people are like, well, he fought to a decision. Yeah, but he, if you look at GSP's run of who he fought, it was the toughest of the toughest. And yes, the Hendricks fight. I don't think he won that. I actually did an article recently on the score on this and rescoring the fight. And I thought Hendricks won. And you and I watched that fight thinking like GSP probably didn't win yeah. that. But if you look at everything outside of that, beating Condit, beating Dita, be, uh, beating uh, you know Matt Hughes back when Matt Hughes was in his prime, beating Sarah in the rematch, avenging that loss, um, it, he's he's, he's got to be on there. And Nunez and, and everyone else. So I don't think, you know, pound for pound lists are tough. 
Dana didn't have him on the list. He didn't have GSP. He had GSP. That might be a personal thing, though. He might yeah. be mad at him for you know hold, like holding out or whatever. Who knows? It's like I, how I, they don't even mention Frank Shamrock in the UFC history. I, I know, right? And and actually, he didn't have Anderson. He just had him as an honorable mention, which again I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, a couple other things here, James. We had uh, Rachel Ostovich test positive for a couple banned substances, tainted supplement once again. Uh, this is someone who, oh man, I. You know, as far as Rachel goes, she's kind of like Paige Van Zandt in that, you know, she's uh, gets talked about a lot for her looks and stuff. But the difference between Paige and Rachel is Paige is like a legitimate mixed martial artist. I'm not 100% sure if Rachel's really like uh, UFC caliber fighter, James. Like, I think she's in the yeah. UFC for her looks. What do you think? No, I, and look, people are going to say what they want to say about us even making that comment. But I don't think you look at a record. It's not a great record. It's close to like a 500 record. It might even be a 500 record. Yeah. So, I mean, you just don't see that in the UFC too often, male or female, right? So I think that's part of it. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I Look, she was brought on the show for obvious reasons, I think, yeah. when she did the show. Um, you know, they kept her around in the UFC. I mean, they, look, they put her and Paige together for one reason, right? I mean, we know why. We don't have to go into it. But it, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know, like, I, it's too bad that that happened to her. But I don't think there was a, like, it's not like we're talking about like someone who, you know, was like on the come up, right? So it's just... Yeah, it's too bad, but I mean, I'm sure she'll, she'll still fight regardless, wherever it may be, UFC or somewhere else. Okay, cut. She'll get another fight, just again, because she is popular. Uh, Chris, we've been retired, James. I don't know if he officially made his I did see that on his YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's for good. You you know, a lot of people forget Chris Lieben was supposed to fight in Bellator, and then he yeah. had a heart condition, and he wasn't allowed to fight, and then he was bare-knuckle fighting. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Like, he's he's a guy who's taken a lot of damage. He's had a lot of personal issues. I actually interviewed uh, Nate Corey about a month ago and mentioned Chris Lieben because they were obviously very close on the show and yeah chris has got some demons but uh you can't understate what he's done in mma uh just you know from that first season of the ultimate fighter and everything and hopefully it stays uh, he stays retired for good and he can find something successful outside of fighting because uh he's a guy that you know he had to fight anderson silva i think in like his third or fourth ufc fight like that and in silva's debut uh, that's a tough outing for anyone. Anyone who can fight a guy like that and, and, you know, go toe to toe with them has my respect. So there yeah, you go. Chris, man, you know, absolute warrior, absolute legend. I'm surprised, you know, he had that bare knuckle fight. I think that was a bad idea for him. And he even talked about the fight with Dakota Cochran. Actually, you know, to be fair, he did knock out Phil Baroni and Justin mm -hmm. in, in bare knuckle, but the fight with Dakota Cochran James was five rounds. He took a lot of damage in that fight. And he basically said in, in his uh, video that, you know, he's just glad that he didn't, uh, get knocked out in his last fight. He's glad he at least went to decision and was able to stand up at the end of the fight, but took a lot of damage. But a guy, James, that had so many good fights in the UFC. I'll give you an example, James. Yoshihiro Akiyama versus Chris Lieben. At oh, UFC. yeah. Amazing fight. He wins the fight uh, late in the third round of the triangle. A couple other fights like... Terry you know, Martin. Remember that fight where he came oh, back and knocked out Terry Martin? One of the best ever. The sword. Mini, mini, he knocked out mini Mike Tyson. Yep. Corey Santiago, Lester Sakura. Like, he had some great wins. Um, you know, he's had some, obviously, some tough fights as well, but, you know, a guy that uh, I think Dana said in the past that he wants the whole cast of Tough One to be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you look at Chris Lieben on the whole, like, you know, not really a Hall of Famer, but I think he'll get in because I think the whole cast is going to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, James. And honestly, I'm fine with that because, first off, it's not really a Hall, it's not a real Hall of Fame. Like, there's no one voting on it, but I just feel like those guys should be recognized. Uh, just a few other things here, James. Obviously, I don't want to keep you forever, but uh, um, Francis Ngano, he uh, apparently will be an alternate for the fight with Stipe in DC. I think that's the right move, just in case something Big does. Time. 
What do you think? Yeah, good, good idea. That's huh? great. And, and I mentioned this on Twitter too. Like, I don't know why they announced all these heavyweight fights before Blades Volkov, because what do you do with Curtis Blades if he wins on the weekend? I would think Derek Lewis would be the fight next, but now Lewis is fighting Olenek, right? Um, so, or no, who, who's he? Yeah, Lewis is fighting Olenek, right? Yeah, because they're both uh, first round guys. That was a whole thing. Um, so, like, I wonder why, like, who's Curtis going to fight if he wins on Saturday? Like, he's not, he's not going to sit out and wait for the winner of Naganu and whoever, right? Like, it's so, he's so, and he's not going to fight over him as his teammate. So like, what do you do with them? Like, I think there's like maybe a few guys out there that are left. Now Volkov wins, that changes things. But I mean, I would think Blades wins on Saturday. We'll see. But uh, but yeah, sorry to, to get back to your initial question. Um, yeah, that's smart. They, I think Naganu is long overdue for a title shot. I'm glad they finally booked the heavyweight fight. Hopefully uh, that actually goes through. Because that's such, I, I'm trying to think, Adam, like, like we'll just sort of sidetrack here a little bit. Like I'm trying to remember the last time a fight had so much significance. Like think about it here. If DC wins against Stipe, he's got to be the greatest heavyweight of all time because yeah. he beat the guy who had the best heavyweight title defense. And he's also a guy who only lost to John Jones and, you know, whatever. He had one loss to Jones and then the other one was a no contest, obviously, for the steroids and stuff. Yeah. So that puts DC in a category of his own. But conversely, if yeah. Stipe wins, he has to be the best heavyweight of all time because he beat DC, avenged that loss. Um, he has the most title defenses, like if you look at like the history and stuff. And here's a guy that I remember five, 10, when we used to do the podcast, I don't think if you would have given me a bet and said Stipe Miocic is going to be the heavyweight champion, I would have not taken that bet. Same he's here. improved dramatically. Yeah. And to see what he's done has just been remarkable. And it, you know, I've talked about this before too, is it kind of bothers me a little bit how much the media is sort of like, I get Stipe is not a great interview. doesn't have an amazing personality, but like, I find that there's so much bias towards him in the media because Cormier is a commentator because people I love don't. DC so much. And like, I have an issue with DC working for the UFC right now, doing aerial show every week. Everyone's sort of on his side. And I am picking DC to beat Stipe, by the way, oh, but wow. like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I, I, I don't think it's, I, I kind of feel bad for Stipe in a way. He's the heavyweight champion right now, but the way you hear people talk about DC in the media, you would think it's the opposite or that it was a fluke that Stipe won the last fight. I don't agree with any of that. Dude, you're dropping truth bombs here, James. I love it. I agree with everything you just said. That's a great fight. I honestly have no idea who I'm going to pick at this point. I'm just glad that, you know, hopefully it stays together. But if someone falls out, looks like Francis is going to slip in there and well-deserving of that. Uh, you know what? I want to get to Marcus's question quickly. Adrian says, sure. so they can protect Lewis from Blades. I don't, I mean... Listen, you're not wrong because Lewis probably gets taken down at will by Blaze. His takedown defense is bad, but Derek Lewis has so much knockout power, dude. We've seen him get land that haymakers in the third round so many times, James. Third round, Derek Lewis. I want to get to Marcus here because he asked about Rakic and Smith earlier. They announced this fight today, James. It's taking place, I think, August 30th or something. What do you think the opening line will be for Smith or Rakic? I think it'll, Anthony, be, close, but I, I, it'll be close. I, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts, but I'll, I'll say my initial thought when you just said that. I want to say Anthony Smith minus 130. I don't think they're going to be very high on Smith just with the way he lost and the fact that he's coming to fight so soon. So I could see that playing against him. On paper, Smith is the better fighter, but then you know he just got he got beat really badly his last fight. So I could see them doing that or potentially Rakic to be in the favorite. We'll see. But if I, if I was setting the line, I'd do Anthony Smith minus 130. I think that's fair. You know, I actually probably would lean towards Rakic. I think people are going to disrespect Anthony coming off that beat down to Glover. Um, I never really got to talk to, talk about that with you, James, but like, I, you know, I went on a long rant in the podcast about uh, the corner not stopping that fight. You know, I feel like Anthony's coming back pretty soon here, James. Uh, I, I thought the original plan was to take some time off. I think that's what he said. So very surprised about this. Rakic is the guy I'm, I'm very high on. He had uh, the close loss to Volcan fight that some people thought he won. So I think I'd favor Rackets a little bit here, Marcus, actually. But, uh, you know, as far as the betting line goes, it's going to be close. I think it could be like a pick honestly. Uh, Kenshiro says, DC looking at Stipe's leg like Thanksgiving turkey for the third fight. Uh, I guess you mean he's going to kick him or something? I mean, DC is going to try and knock him out again. That's what he's going to try to do. 
DC, if people forget, James, he won the first three rounds of that last fight. And he that's got, what I mean. Yeah, that's why I'm picking him in the rematch. I, you know, Stipe, the adjustment he made going to the body was smart, though. Like, DC's a guy that I think is a little bit weak to the body. Remember the fight with Anderson Silva? Got kicked in the body late in the fight and almost got finished. So he's a guy that has a weakness there, but it's a crazy fight. Uh, just a few uh, other fights here, James. I want to get your quick thoughts on uh, Chris Weidman, Omari Akhmedov. Very, very bizarre matchup here, James. A little surprised by this one. Uh, Chris Weidman is a guy that has lost five of his last six fights by knockout, guys. So, you know, coming off a loss to Dominic Reyes at uh, 205 pounds, back to 185. I don't know what to think about that, but uh, Omari Akhmedov is a guy on the rise, kind of. He's a little bit, like, older as far as, uh, like, a prospect goes. I wouldn't really call him a prospect, but... I think I go with Omar Ekmanov here, James, probably by knockout again. I, I can't trust Chris Weidman. See, I look at this fight a little bit differently. I think it was it was done on purpose. I think Akmadov looked good in his last fight against what was it Heinish was his last win. Yeah. Uh, but I think you have to go back to I want I want to say I, I don't have that in front of me, but I think the last knockout win for Akmadov was actually back in like 2013. So I mean, you look at look at who Weidman's knocked out by Reyes, um, Romero, like like those are the losses that happened recently. So. It's it's tough to say, right? Because like, is it a case of him fighting guys that are like really good, or is he really past his prime at this point? It's really tough to say. Like, I think middleweight is a better division for him. He does cut a lot of weight, so that does worry me a bit, and just the injuries and everything. But I don't know. Like on paper, Weidman is the better fighter. It's just if he's if 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 he can not get knocked out. Because you remember that fight with Romero it was actually pretty competitive, and actually it was the Jacare fight as well that was competitive, where you know, yeah. and then Jacare ended up finishing him. So. I think like, cause Akhmedov's not really known as like a knockout guy, right? So I think that could be Weidman's sort of saving grace in this fight. But again, it's really tough to bet on him at this point with the injuries, the layoffs, the, you know, everything. So, um, I don't know. That's, I got, I'm going to do an early look on that fight probably in the coming weeks. I'll have to really dig into that one, but I, I'm torn a bit because we, I mean, look, he just lost to Reyes who nearly beat John Jones in his last fight. Right. So it's like, it's really tough to gauge where Weidman's at right now. I agree. And Kenshiro just clarified at the single leg takedown. I don't know. I don't know if if uh, DC could take Stipe down. Like I will. James, do you have a few more minutes? Or you have to go. Just uh, let me. Know. I got. I got to wrap things up. I just texted uh, Jeff Neal and yeah, told him I'll cool. be a little bit late, but it's it's all good. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Um. You know, I'll just forget about the other matchups quickly, James. I just want to get your thoughts on just the sure. state of the MMA media and sure. uh, where we are right now as media. We saw the Athletic recently let go of a lot of people. Just what are your thoughts on it and how the coronavirus has affected everything? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, we don't like to see anyone lose their jobs. Um, I think the the one that got hit the most was the athletic because those were full-time employees, like the people who got laid off at, at Vox, some of them, I mean, a lot of them were part-timers. It's not like they depend on the income. Yeah, it sucks to lose your job. But Adam, you and I have been through how many outlets since we've been freelancing? Like I remember, you know, going to Sherdog, going to Fansided, like all these different places. You just, you, if you work in this industry as a freelancer, especially even me now, nothing's guaranteed. You got to always have the mentality that you could, this could all go away the next day. So um, I feel for those guys for sure. The athletic, um, I just, you know, if I'm being honest here and I'm a big Josh Gross fan, and I've said this many times, he's one of the reasons I even got into the sport. I remember listening to him on Sherdog and he was sort of like the first guy that I was really like, wow, I really like his stuff. Um, I have a hard time seeing how many fans are paying for their coverage because if you look at the other athletic verticals, like NHL, like that's, I was with the athletic before I signed up for them before the MMA stuff came in, because a lot of their good NHL writers are writers that I enjoyed their stuff where there's breaking news were with them. But you look at what the athletic MMA is about. A lot of it's just long form writing. You can find that at a lot of other sites, man. You can find that at MMA Fighting. You can find it at Junkie with you know Dave Doyle or Simon or whoever. Um, a lot of that's out there. So unless you're a fan of those specific writers like a Sean or whatever, I mean, Chuck left, which was a, I don't know why they got rid of him. He was the, probably their best long form writer there. So, um, you know, unless you're a fan of them, that's such a small fan base. Like I think if they, I think what they should have done was gone after people that can like a Nolan King who can break news and can, can have some incentive for people to subscribe. But if you're just reading stories, 
I think that's a tough sell. And I, I kind of knew that we would see some cuts because I just don't know if that's, if, if you would be willing to pay, like, let's say you don't like other sports. Cause there are a lot of MMA fans who don't like other sports. And let's say you wanted to sign up for the athletic. Like, are you really just going to sign up for long form stuff or like Ben Folks's mail? Like, I don't know if that's a big enough audience to really get people to come in. And, and I, to me, the, the two things that are the most popular in MMA are really good. Um, you know, obviously breaking news is a big thing. Uh, good interviews with really big fighters. That's a big thing. And I don't see them getting like a ton of big names. A lot of it's like, like, you know, past stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm part of me is not surprised as well. And I wish them the best, like Dan Supp's awesome, Josh Gross, uh, Chuck, all of them. Like I wish them the best and I'm sure they'll land on their feet soon, but we got to be realistic about this here where it's like, you know, we, you got to look at who your audience is. And a lot of the audience, they like quick, easy news, breaking news, big interviews, sound bites. I like, that's what I'm seeing. And that's sort of what I do. And that's why I think that, you know, what I'm doing now at the score is a little bit different than everyone else, but it, it works because the audience is there because people want to tune into it. Like, I just don't know if the MMA audience, like the, like if we give it a percentage, what percentage of the MMA audience only reads long form stuff. I think it's very small. I think it's 20 to 30% if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're banging on with that. James, man, I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Love this man. Wasn't this fun? Yeah, dude, so much fun, man. And I'm so sorry if I, uh, made uh, definitely wait for uh, your interview with him. So no I, worries. I got to give him a hard time. His phone broke the other day. We we're supposed to do an interview. It didn't work out. So I, um, I just wanted to quickly. I, I had this note here um, as far as some other fights go. Romero versus Hall. I like that matchup. Um, DeSantos Rosenstruck, love it. And then I had the, the rematch between Juliana Vila and Nico Mateo. Can't believe that's happening. But uh, that's it for today's show, guys. I don't want to talk anymore. I had Jamie on for long enough. James, man, floor is yours, buddy. Go ahead. Thanks, buddy. Uh, at Lynch on Sports, Twitter, Instagram. You guys have any questions that we didn't answer here today? Send me a DM. I DM. I always talk to people all the time. So if you have any questions there, I'll be back Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, previewing the Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker card. Look out for that. And also drop the podcast this week. Had a lot of great guests. Jared Cantonier, Curtis Blades, uh, everyone. I mean, just go look at the list. YouTube.com slash The Score MMA. We're always putting up new videos every day, including today. I just dropped one, Adam. Your listeners got to check it out. I asked fighters, what are ways we can improve weight cutting? Because that's a huge issue right now. We had a card last week where three fighters miss weight you know is it is it getting you sodded to check their weight is it um you know stiffer penalties when a fighter misses weight 50 percent what about taking a point away from a fight a lot of fighters suggested that so really good stuff there check that out on the channel i just posted it about an hour ago and more importantly adam so good being back man we got to do this more often dude i agree 100 okay you guys can follow me on twitter at mmadammartin djpen.com maoddsbreaker.com and uh, MA Rings on that. And just wanted to give a shout out to the boss right here, Nick Kalikas, James. I don't know if you saw Yeah, him. congrats to Nick, by the way, on his new gig. Uh, I owe my a lot of my career to Nick. I really appreciate everything he's done for me. And so good to see him with the UFC show and now the stuff with Circa. He's killing it, man. It's so great to see. I love Nick Kalikas. You and Nick were like two of the first people I ever met on like Twitter. I mean, and, uh, Twitter. So like yeah. friends years later, it's great, man. All right, James, appreciate it, man. I uh, tell Jeff Newell, I, I say what's up. And thanks, guys. Everyone who sent a question in, who contributed today, appreciate it. James, you're the man. See you guys. Bye.